Blog Talk Radio. Incredible the pitching they have. 
Well, just, just think about the youth of the Cubs and the Mets, Jonathan. I mean, just from from here on out, we're going to be for the next five, ten years, we're going to be talking about the Cubs. You know, we're going to be talking about them in the World Series, possibly, and we're also going to be talking about the Mets, I believe. Yeah, it's it's amazing the the rebuild jobs that have been done. Um, where we saw it, Kansas City was a was as obviously you know you want to talk about a great rebuild job. Here it is. Back-to-back World Series with a bunch of players who were under 30, Hosmer, Moussakis, Escobar, Kane, uh, Gordon. I mean, they've done a fantastic job. Um, and they're clearly the best team. Tonight's a huge game. Um, obviously, DeGrom's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, so, you know, this year he's he's been like that. If it wasn't for Zach Greinke uh, and Jake Arrieta, DeGrom, you know, you'd say he's the best pitcher in baseball this year. So the Mets can still steal this back. And they could conceivably take a 3-1 series lead if DeGrom gets it done tonight. Because then they come home, you get Cindergaard, who has been money at home. And then you have Max against Chris Young, who pitched last night. So this is definitely a series that really hinges on this game. Because this game could either swing the Mets out wide open and get a run, or we could be fighting through a seven-game series. I I love this. This is fantastic. Yeah, but I'm I'm one of the people that I'm not picking the Mets tonight. I'm picking Kansas City to go up two oh. You're talking about some drama. Let let Kansas City go up two oh and see what happens in New York. These people are gonna have a meltdown. And 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 Trey's right about the pitching staff and, and we're gonna follow the World Series. We 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 do talk baseball on this show, believe it or not. We especially with Trey on and Jonathan, they those guys know more about baseball than than anybody. I don't know much about it as much as I used to, but but I just, I just like, and I want to ask Trey this question. He may know when. When are the Braves going to be relevant again, Trey? I mean, they're they're pitiful, and in this division, yeah. they're in, Washington, Washington took a step back, and here's New York. What are the Braves going to do to to counter what the Mets are doing? Because it looks like the Mets are in for the long haul. Yeah, I mean, the Mets have pieces right now that you really like. I, I still think the Mets. Uh, if you, you look at their pitching, they really set up for, I, I think, a two- to three-year run, uh, and then they're going to start looking at free agency and, and guys, uh, you know, having to make some decisions. Uh, and th- at the same respect, uh, when I'm looking at the Braves minor league, Tarvin, they don't have a lot of guys, if you look at the top 50 to 100 uh, minor league, you know, prospects in the system. Atlanta, you know, like you normally just expect there to be a lot of arms in the system. They have a couple of good infielders. Uh, they're – and they're not terrible, Tarvin. I mean, they have guys who could end up making an impact in the big leagues, but it's not where you normally would expect as a Braves fan just to see the next guy coming up who is going to be a superstar. Like we've seen over the last 5, 10, 15 years, they're in a two- to three at least year um, rebuild before I think we see a playoff run unless they're able to get a piece. I mean, Markakis type of piece is not going to help them. Yeah, Braves, you had your chance, man. You, you've had 25 years to get to a few World Series and you have one. Just one. That's all you have and in my lifetime that I remember. But uh, we will follow the World Series, guys. There's a lot to talk about. It's actually more fun to talk about baseball in the off season to me. Maybe I'm crazy. But, but last night was the opening night of the NBA. Jonathan, some great games, man. I mean, the Pelicans and the Warriors, Golden State, Seth Curry's a monster still. He still hasn't cooled off. We have Chicago getting a 
a cheap win really at home over Cleveland. I don't think it really means a lot, but the Atlanta Hawks lose 106-94 at home against Detroit. Jonathan, are you excited the NBA is finally back? Not really. I could care less, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, 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 hate to, I, I, I hate the really strong word. I do not like professional basketball. It's, it's too many one-on-one battles. It, it, it annoys me. If I want to go see that, I'll go watch Game of One-on-One. Um, I, I do pay attention to it, though. Steph Curry obviously was phenomenal again last night. Anthony Davis looks good. You know, Anthony Davis could be the best player in the league on a team that's still got to figure themselves out. They've still got to get guys healthy. Keep keep your eye on the Pelicans. This is a team that later in the year, if all the guy, all the key members are healthy, they can make a run and scare some teams. Um, Atlanta fell on their face last night, and I think it's going to take them a couple of weeks to get gelled with Damari Carroll gone. He was really a, a huge glue guy for them. And Detroit's going to be a lot better this year than I think anybody kind of expected. Mm-hmm. Cleveland still doesn't have Kyrie. LeBron's dinged up. Mozgov's dinged up. Look, Cleveland's probably not even going to have the one seed going into the playoffs. But they're going to make it to the finals. And Chicago's the only team that can stand in their way. And Chicago gets in their own way. Trey, I'm looking at the West, man. I'm looking at Oklahoma City. Uh, If they can stay healthy this year. I really think they can make a push. This is is this the year for Durant and Westbrook? I mean, if this year passes and they don't they don't make a finals, win a championship, when are they going to win? Well, I mean, this is it for Durant. I mean, he could, this is it. This is the last year. Um, and I think it's in his contract terms. I think I think we're looking at what Durant last year of um, basically of his window here, unless. Unless you see some sort of extension, but and re-signing, but it looks like to me that he wants to go free agent and see what happens. So, um, I, I think that this is, you know, their their last shot. And you look at the West, and I'm not sure they have the pieces to get through it. I mean, even with Durant and Westbrook, I mean, they need more. Uh, we'll we'll see how they they fare, but. Man, I, I it's going to be hard to get through the West. Trey, Trey, what is it with? You know, when I when I tell you Magic Johnson, when I say that name, uh, you you think of the Lakers. When you hear Larry Bird, you think of the Celtics. When you hear Kareem, you think of the Lakers. When you hear Kobe, Lakers. Jordan, the Bulls. And I don't I don't care about the Washington team. That was just uh, nothing. But the greatest players of all time, in my opinion, they they've been on one team. They don't jump around looking to buy championships. And that's why when I look at LeBron James, I just kind of like ah, whatever. I mean, you're just a whore, really. He's a he's a rent a whore. We're trying to rent a championship kind of player. Why is it that all these players are moving around so much now? When back in the day, with the greatest players of all time, they just stayed with one team and they they won it the old fashioned way. Sometimes they'd go a couple of years and didn't win it, but all of a sudden they'd, they'd win two or three. Why why today do these players think they have to just go jump on a team together? Well, I mean, it, it, free agency obviously. And, and the players' unions completely changed the nature of all sports. Uh, we started seeing that 20 years ago or so. Uh, but then, it, I mean, it has changed the dynamic, I would say, in the last five years we see players grouping themselves together. I mean, there there has been a difference in where players just generally do not like other teams and won't sign with them. I, I'll say I saw it start in baseball longer than I did in any other sport where you saw guys – signing free agent deals to go from Boston and the New York Yankees 
which, you know, had been unheard of. Uh, and then, you know, that to me was, you know, the far more egregious than, you know, the guy leaving from, you know, the Spurs to go to the Heat or whatever. Um, but, it, I mean, it, it just seems like now it is, even from the player's perspective, um, an entirely business decision like it's always been from the management side. So you just see guys making their best moves for their family and their money uh, and to, for their own legacies, and, you know, that's all we have. I mean, the fans are the ones who really have uh, lost out on the complete, um, you know, having this completeness of having a player sort of cradle the grave. I mean, because we don't get that opportunity anymore. It's very rare. Oh. And, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there, but we're not a basketball and baseball show. We're football, so if you're listening to this show and you're like, what the heck is Brian doing? We're not we're not converting to NBA right now, okay? Just wanted to, to throw that out there. We will be doing predictions this Sunday night, given your playoff predictions, given who's, who you think is going to be in the championship. We won't do that tonight. I want these guys to have a little time to prepare for it, but let's – Jump on into the NFL, and if you'd like to join us, 646-716-5564. We'd love to hear from you tonight. Uh, Trey, Cam Newton, Sunday night, got it done at home. Um, you know, they were supposed to beat Philadelphia. They were favored. What is, what is it with this Carolina team? It seems like, you know, I was waiting to see, you know, all season. I, I, didn't, feel they, I didn't feel they played anybody until they went to Seattle big signature win for Carolina, and I actually think that Eagles game was very important um, Sunday night. What do you think about the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton right now? Jonathan, I'll shoot that to you. uh, Sorry, Carvin, I was was thinking there. Um, Sorry, as long pause and everything, but what I really think, Carvin, is this team has really caught me a little off guard. You know, we did the preseason predictions. I thought Carolina would take a step back. You know, Cam Newton has been, uh, I think, a better complete player uh, as a quarterback. Uh, certainly, I think he's matured uh, from where we've seen him in the past. Their receivers haven't been any better uh, than what I expected. I mean, Greg Olson is a solid uh, NFL tight end. The Lions have been better. The defense has been where I expected. So, really what they're doing, Parvin, I think they're running the football a lot better. Uh, than, than, you know, I initially thought they would. I thought they would be very one-dimensional, but they're able to balance themselves out on offense enough. Uh, And they play really, really solid defense. Uh, And they're sound on special teams. And, you know, in the NFL, that wouldn't do a lot of football games. You know, and right now, Cam Newton is not making the mistakes he made in years past. And, and Jonathan, I think Trey brought up a good point. And that's, that's my feeling. I think we're seeing the maturity of a Cam Newton Right before our eyes, a, a player that realizes that you know we can't, I can't win it by myself. I'm gonna rely on my team to get it done. And you know, every year it seems like he's been better than the next or the one prior. This year he looks, he's not putting up the numbers, but he's still a top five fantasy quarterback. But I really like this Cam Newton. He he does look like he's maturing, and with a chance on Monday Night Football and prime time to to play Andrew Luck. I mean, are, are we going to find out who the better quarterback is by that one game? Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't think that's a fair assertion just yet. Um, Luck is still dinged up. I did get the chance to tune in to the the garbage fest that was the Saints and the Colts game. Luck's shoulder is still bothering him more than he wants to let on. Um, you're right. Both of you guys, Cam is having a phenomenal year. Both of you guys nailed it. 
he looks so much better, so much more like a leader. He's doing enough to win. He's not going out there. He's not forcing anything. He's not turning the ball over. Um, I'm just I, I watched that game and it, it was awesome to see. And of course, I had Carolina laying three, so you know who I was rooting for. Uh, and the defense, I want to say something about that defense. Thomas Davis, I mean, how He's many knee surgeries has he had? Three. On the same knee, right? He's a freak. I mean, he had three knee surgeries, four knee surgeries on the same knee, I believe. I, He's phenomenal. I, I remember when he came out of Georgia and they were like, is he a safety or a linebacker? We'll find out as he grows up. Um, and he grew. He's grown into becoming an amazing linebacker. Um, and you put him next to Keekly, and it's just, it's magic. I, I loved watching that defense. To be honest with you, that was my favorite part of that game. Was watching Jared Allen, Kawan Short, uh, Keekly, Thomas Davis, and Josh Norman just embarrass Sam Bradford. I love that. That was phenomenal. And Carolina, <laughs> right now, you can't tell me is not a front runner. Um, for a contention for the NFC Championship game. Yeah, easily. And, Trey, you know, the next two games coming up, Indianapolis, Monday Night Football, a chance to, to yeah. play a Colts team. And I agree that Andrew Luck's not himself. And I'm not saying Cam Newton's a better quarterback at all. And I, I do think Andrew Luck's hurt. I really do. But the next week, Green Bay in Carolina, Trey, I think – this is a statement because I think Green Bay is the best team in the, NF- or the NFC, I think. New England and the AFC, but if if Cam Newton can can defeat Seattle and Seattle, takes care of Chip Kelly, he just beat Andrew Luck and he beats Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's a big game, isn't it? If he can get past Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Oh, well, because it, I mean, it, it's huge for home field. I mean, at that point, Carolina's starting to make that run towards where they're really starting to think about the playoffs. And I know it's still you know seven week seven week eight. When they're talking about you know in games played. But, I mean, at that point, you know, you start taking off matchups and, you know, and, and head-to-head matchups and who, who has who. Uh, because, I mean, at this point, it looks pretty solid that Carolina's going to be in the playoffs and it's just a matter of where they're going to be seated. I think it's really obvious to me that the Packers are going to be in the playoffs. So, uh, at that point, I mean, you really want those head-to-heads. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. that and just obviously, this, yeah, of course it would be a statement that you beat Aaron Rodgers, even if it is at home. Yeah, Trey, you're right, that, that home field advantage. I know it, it, it'll be week nine when they play, but remember, Green Bay doesn't have any losses either. So if you could steal one from them in Carolina right now, knowing you don't have to go back to Green Bay ever, I mean, that that's huge, Jonathan, if, if Carolina can make it. But I look at their schedule. Once Green Bay game's over with November 8th, at Tennessee, home against Washington, at Dallas, at New Orleans, home against Atlanta, at the Giants, at Atlanta, and home against Tampa. I mean, those are that's a tough schedule, but I could easily see an 11-12 win team right there if they do it the right way. Yeah, no, no, definitely. This is this is a team that you know won the division last year with only seven wins, and this year's probably going to win it with a, with I would say you know 12. Uh, I think this is a 12 win team right now. Uh, it's a shame they don't have Kelvin Benjamin because I think having him oh. makes them. Easily, easily one of the top, the, the number two team in the NFC. You know, and that put, they put up a battle with Green Bay for number one supremacy like nobody's business at that point. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I think this is a 12-win team. They're going to lose like the last game of the year because they don't care kind of a thing. 
Uh, most likely they'll be the two seed. So they'll have a nice bye week before they get, you know, whoever decides to be the sacrificial lamb. Because right now this team, they're going to the NFC Championship game. I hope you're right, man. And, Trey, how would you like to be in the AFC South? Imagine if you're you're the Tennessee Titans and you wake up, you're one and five, and you're only a game and a half out of first right now. I mean, this, this <laughs> you're one and five, and you're a game and a half out. I mean, Indianapolis I, uh, three and four, leads the division. Houston two and five, they're tied with Jacksonville. I mean, what a bad division, man. Can, uh, Good Lord. I, I haven't played out this scenario, Tarvin, but – can can one of these teams please go six and ten and host a playoff game so we all lose our minds? I mean, come on. <laughs> Change the rule, please. In Trey, they're thinking about it. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, can you? Uh, see, that's the problem I have right now. Is you know the Colts are struggling right now, and and to me, there's no urgency there for them because they look in the standings and they're like, look. We've played the worst football of any team in the NFL right now, and yet we're in first place. So it only can get better from here. Trey, if you're if you're the Indianapolis Colts and Andrew Luck is banged up, if he is hurt, why are you playing him right now? Sacrifice the game because, you know what, you can lose three in a row and still be in first place. Why are you playing a hurt Andrew Luck if you believe he's hurt? Yeah, I mean, not only that, I mean, I, you look at that division, and, and it, I mean, yeah, I mean, you sitting for a month, <laughs> what, you know, and they really have a, then they actually have a still have a shot. I mean, but yeah, there's something definitely wrong with Andrew Luck. He, I mean, when you talk about throwing shoulder injuries, and you talk about loose rotator cuffs or, or whatever that uh, muscle uh, or ligament is in your shoulder, it's a it's a long term heal process, and just. Yeah, I mean, there's you could tell from the throws the guy still hasn't got the, the zip on his yeah. throws. I mean, he's always been a guy who throws, he turns the ball over. But I mean, he's got, he's got, he's got a Peyton Manning, Manning arm right now, Trey. Yeah, I mean, that's full Peyton Manning. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Andrew Luck's a perfect professional man. He doesn't get in there and make excuses after the game. You got to love this kid. I mean, the way he competes, the way he owns it after each game, and, and it's pissing him off right now. That, that they're losing. You could just tell in his interview, Jonathan, he just he just wants to snap. He wants to explode. He's not making excuses, but you can tell this is a guy that doesn't like to lose. Yeah, I mean, the first, you know, they asked him about it. What did he say today? It's got to start with me. It's all, you know, being part of a team starts with personal accountability. And that really is something I was impressed by, and it just shows why Andrew Luck is the consummate professional and why he was the clear-cut number one pick. I mean, if you're the Colts, you're two and zero with Matt Hasselbeck starting. Granted, it was against I think Houston and Jacksonville, but still, you're two and zero with Hasselbeck starting. You're gonna need luck for the stretch run when it matters most. Get him in a, a couple more weeks. Let Hasselbeck play. I mean, yeah. you're you're probably gonna be three and seven anyways. Okay, you're probably gonna lose the next couple games anyways because I mean they, they got what they got Carolina. And then I think they have Denver coming up. Uh, I mean, it's not going to get any easier for them. So take the take the next three games off, or at least you put a half of back in, let's say. You know, not take them off. Put them in and rest lock. I mean, come on. I'm sitting him out against Carolina, Trey, because, the, you know, the Carolina defense, the way they are, they, they're very physical. and Luke Geekley will track you down and kill you. I mean, this is not a perfect game that you're probably going to lose anyway. 
why not just set Andrew Luck out and allow him to heal up a little bit? Let 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 Hasselback get beat up. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I would have set him down before this and, and, and given him a week or so to come back. Um, but I mean, I, but here we are now. I mean, so you're kind of locked in to keeping him, keep playing him at this point until uh, the wheels come off. So I mean, now that you're brought him back, well, Trey, if I if I told you Oakland was would be three and three right now after six games, what would you have told me in the preseason? Yeah, I mean. I knew Oakland was going to take a step forward, but I mean, not. I mean, they're, they're a lot better off than I expected them to be. They look good. I mean, man. you knew you knew Khalil Mack was a solid centerpiece for the defense. You knew Carr looked, you know, looked pretty impressive for a rookie last year. You know, they had Latavius Murray, who had you know streaks of brilliance at the end of last season. You had Amari Cooper, but the the line was still to me was so problematic, both defensive and offensive. But even they have really played a lot more solidly than I expected. So, I mean, they're a team that's got a lot of young pieces. Yeah, I'm very, very impressed with Oakland right now and what they're able to do. We're not going to spend much time in the NFL, but I do want to get your predictions on a couple games, guys. Um, Jonathan, I'll start with you. Green Bay goes on the road to Denver. Sunday night football, Green Bay is laying three points. They're the favorite. What do you think about this one? Uh, that's a tough game. Um, I, I just see it where Peyton's arm comes back to bite him in this one. Uh, you know, Green Bay offensively is uh, – Aaron Rodgers one of the better ones and not turning the ball over. I'm going to go ahead and say Green Bay wins by uh, by seven. Trey? Yeah, I mean, I, the Denver, they're undefeated, but if you, you watch them play – uh, and I have watched a lot of those Cleveland. games. Not, not a free minute of every game, but I've watched a lot of them. And they've been real lucky. I mean, they should have lost to like, Cleveland. I don't know how Cleveland beat themselves in that game. Uh, so I look at this as a little bit more of a lopsided matchup than it looks like when you look at the records. Uh, so I, I like I like Green Bay by probably 10. Yeah, you know, Look, Trey's right. I've watched Denver. They shouldn't have beat Cleveland. There's several games they've won that they really shouldn't. But now you'd expect the only way Denver can win this game is by defense and running the football. Peyton Manning is being put in the hole. He's having to carry this team on offense. The defense is doing their part, of course, but they have no running game. So once they can get that running game going, it takes pressure off Peyton. I I just don't know if Peyton Manning can finish the season, guys. If, if yeah. something doesn't happen with that running game, I'm going to pick Green Bay, and I think 10 points is fair. Uh, I do. I think that's a, a good prediction right there. Let's go over and see if the Raiders – now, this is an interesting game, Trey. The Raiders at home, underdog, two-and-a-half points to a four-and-two Jets team. I'm interested to, to hear your take on this. Yeah, I, this is one of the ones where that line issues – I really think will will play a difference. I, I think Oakland's going to be in this football game near the end, but I mean, you got, I mean, the Jets' defensive line with Wilkerson and, and those guys are just ridiculously good, uh, and they are, they're going to stop Murray and they're going to put some pressure on Carr. And, and and here's the thing about Amari Cooper this year is is he's been real good at times, and he's kind of disappeared at times because he's a rookie, and that's what happens with rookies when they, they go against really good schemes. And the Jets are real good on defense, Arvin. So I think Carr and that offense are going to – they're going to get the second-half snags. 
uh, and they're gonna they're gonna lose to the Jets. I think the Jets are gonna win this game. I, you know, about a touchdown part. What do you think, Jonathan? Well, I think it's a three point game either way. Um, the problem with this is, and I've looked at this oddly enough, don't ask why, but whenever either one of these teams, whoever the road team is, tends to get, they come out and look a little complacent. Um, and in all reality, we all know it's jet lag, but they just don't look right. And they start really slow. And that's where I think the Raiders can take advantage. Uh, they got a pretty good pass rush of their own. And I'm still waiting on Ryan Fitzpatrick to have a Fitzpatrick moment. Uh, I'm going to take the Raiders to actually win this game by three. I'm with you, Jonathan. I think home. I think being at home is going to be the difference here. Trey could be right. I'm interested to see how Amari Cooper does against a sophisticated defense like the Jets. But I'm very, very impressed with both of these teams right now. I'm, I'm going to be watching this one. That's all I can tell you. I will be tuning in. I don't know if this will be broadcast nationally or will I have to do it on my ticket but either way is fine with me but we're going Raiders Trey you're going Jets um who knows about that one but here's an interesting one for you guys the Trey Cincinnati on the road at Pittsburgh this game is a pick Pittsburgh's four and three without Ben Roethlisberger how in the world is Cincinnati not favored at least three and a half in this game well I mean Big Ben's coming back I and mean, that's, that's why um this game Big Ben okay, is okay. Yeah, he's rumored to be coming back. No, no official announcement, um, yeah. but there's been a lot of a lot of chatter about Big Ben coming back in this game. And if he's back, Tarvin, this is one of those ones where if he plays, Pittsburgh wins this game. I really do think that um, they're going to be a different offense. I mean, they have. I mean, if you look at the pieces they have on offense, it's almost silly. I mean, Martavius Bryant is a home run threat anytime he touches the ball. And he's not even the best guy on the team. I mean, Antonio Brown is, you know, possibly the best receiver in the game. If he's not, he's definitely in the contention, you know, with Julio Jones. Um, and then you have Le'Veon Bell. So, and if you, so that these guys are real good. The defense needs to still work it out. So I think this will be, you know, maybe a little higher scoring in the 30s, maybe high 20s. But I think the Steelers come and bring it out, Sarvin. Well, Jonathan called me crazy. I think Pittsburgh's a better football team. I agree with you. I, do, I mean, Pittsburgh obviously has their struggles on defense. They have that hole. But we have holes in the secondary, so what do we do to address them? Uh, we'll just let it happen. Let's drop more linemen. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> if Ben comes back, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh wins this game. Um, because j- just for all the reasons that Trey was saying, Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell, Keith Miller, it's a very solid football team there in Pittsburgh, uh, especially offensively. Defensively, they can get after Andy Dalton, force him into doing some things. Uh, I imagine it's going to be a bracket coverage on A.J. Green this week. Uh, if Ben doesn't play, Cincinnati road stomps It's not even going to be funny. It's, it's, if Ben does not play, Landry Jones is going to get torn up. So this is all contingent yeah. on Ben. But I think Pittsburgh should win this game, barring him coming back. Well, I'm very happy. If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, you have to be happy that you're four and three right now, and Big Ben Smith most of the season. So you're just waiting on him to come back. And I think Cincinnati will be Cincinnati, and they'll start folding before long. Um, trade the Seattle Seahawks, a team that nobody can get their pulse on. Three and four. They won on Thursday night against the Niners, but who who hasn't beaten the Niners? Right? They go to mm-hmm. Dallas without Tony Romo. They're favored six points. Did Seattle turn it around 
that Thursday night? Are they going to be going in the right direction, or, is, or do you are you concerned about maybe some locker room issues going on with this team? I think I think people are money hungry in that locker room, and they're pissed off that certain people got paid. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: we, we're not going to find out what what Seattle is or isn't in this game. Uh, so, Des Bryant started practicing today. Um, not a full practice. That doesn't mean he's playing. Um, that just means he started. Uh, but even, uh, even if Des Bryant, let's say, is coming back and it's 100% healthy, who's going to get him the football? I mean, Matt Castle didn't look good when he, you know, he was supposed to come in and be the guy who was going to really write this offense. You know, you know now they've made a change at running back. Now Darren McFadden is going to start the game just because, you know, he had a good week last week. Uh, but none of that really is going to help. The defense really has been uh, just as problematic for Dallas as the offense. I mean, certainly Matt Castle turning the ball over as much as he did last week is, is going to hurt you. Uh, but they're, they're going to struggle Tarvin quite a bit in, until Romo gets back in week 11. And by that point, who knows if that's going to be enough. So I just don't think that Dallas right now – I mean, they're not a dumpster fire yet, Tarvin, but it's getting close. Man, and, and I'm going to give you my upset pick of the week, guys. I like Chicago to beat Minnesota. Jonathan, what do you think about that one? Well, Chicago in Chicago, they beat the Vikings. An interesting pick. Uh, Chicago's obviously looked better this year than uh, I anticipated. Um, I still think Minnesota's a decent football team. They should be able to get after them. I think that's going to wind up being a really good game. It's going to kind of – because I think Minnesota, I think they're a little overhyped. So I think, you know, that we're going to see that Chicago-Detroit game that just happened is going to repeat this week. All right. Well, guys, let's six four six seven one six five five six four. If you'd like to call in, we're going to get on our college football segment. I'm running three minutes behind, but that's okay. You know, I'm not perfect. Trey seems to be long-winded at times. You know, he calls me three minutes. It's okay. But but let's get into to some college football. Trey, the BCS did a mock draft, mock ranking, and right now, if if the BCS came out, LSU would be one, Clemson two. But if you look at what the AP and the coaches have right now with Ohio State, Baylor, I mean, first of all, Trey, what do you think about is LSU the best team in the country? And number two, what's Baylor going to do with, with their quarterback being out for the year? Well, I mean, one, I didn't think Baylor was going to run the table with Russell playing, and now you got, um, you know, his devastating injury. Uh, but is LSU the number one team? I don't know. I mean, they struggled on the road against Syracuse. Um, you know, I mean, no team is really a team that I can you can that at least I can pin my uh, my finger on and say they're the best team in Tarvin. I, I just so, you can make an argument for and against all of them. I think you're right. You're you're exactly right, Trey. There's not a and Ohio State would be the only team with Barrett running the quarterback. And I got laughed at the other night for saying that. But Jonathan. Uh, LSU is not the best team in football right now. There, there's not an SEC team in my mind right now that can run the table, win the playoff. I mean, I mean, it's not only do you win one game. This is when you get into the playoff, you have to win two. And and honestly, I just don't see a team in the SEC consistent enough to do that. But I do see an Ohio State team that I do believe in this year when I did last year. But this Clemson team – has me scratching my head, Jonathan. I mean, I mean, this could be the year Dabo Sweeney pulls one out of his hat. I mean, this could this is a perfect year for him. I'm I'm confused more 
about football this year than I've ever been trying to to put my head on this guy. Jonathan, I'm confused. I mean, TCU, people think they're real good. I don't. People think Baylor's still number two even without Russell. I don't. I mean, it's just, am I stupid or what's going on in college football, man? This year has definitely been a strange year. Uh, I will agree with you on that. Um, I'm not. I don't think LSU is as good as advertised. I will say that. Um, watch them give up some points to Eastern Michigan. I, I uh, watch them struggle a little bit against Syracuse. A little bit against Western Kentucky. I, I, I just I have a lot of From question Florida. marks about this LSU team right now. I really do. In Florida, um, Florida, Florida should have beat them, Jonathan. Uh, in Baton Rouge, Florida should have won that game. They they played them just as tough as anybody, and I don't know if LSU can beat Bama right now. Um, I, I, I don't I don't know if they'll win that game. And, and looking at Clemson, Clemson's got one tough game left. And I say that knowing that this week is a trap game, and this is a huge game for Clemson when they they're going to Raleigh. Uh, but you know, I'm looking at Baylor. There's a lot of buzz about this freshman quarterback stepping in. And, you know, the problem with that is he's a, he's a freshman quarterback. He's going to make mistakes. Uh, TCU has lost a lot of guys due to injury on defense. I don't know if they can keep that going. And, and Ohio State still has to play Michigan State and Michigan, who both look like very good football teams this year. And, Plus, and they, the even if they win those games, the is going to be an undefeated Iowa. So, I, I, I don't yeah. – hey, this, this year is making my head hurt. Yeah, but but to trade Clemson, I mean, look at that schedule. My God, I mean, yeah. it's terrible. I mean, it, if you look mm-hmm. at it, and I know, I know the ACC is. I mean, it's just like the ACC worked out for them perfect this year. Who they played when they play them, oh, they yeah. host yeah. Florida State. Does Florida State have enough to beat these guys, Trey? Can you see your team, you and Jonathan's team here, going on the road and beating Clemson? No, I mean, I, uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, I predicted a loss early in the year. Um, if you anybody's talked to me, anybody who listened to the show, you know, I, this has been a rebuilding, not a reloading year. Way too young, way too thin at certain positions. Uh, you know, I put Clemson in the playoff earlier in the year. It's one of the smarter picks I've had. The other two picks I had, we won't talk about because those teams <laughs> have like four losses. War Eagle, talk baby. About that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, Auburn. Thanks a lot, Auburn. <laughs> And, and by the way, thanks a lot, Jason Porter, for your Oregon Ducks, too. I'm blaming both of you guys for those terrible picks on my part. Um, but, I mean, Tarvin, no, I, I don't think Florida State has a chance. Uh, and I'll tell you, I think the only game that really stands between them and an undefeated season actually is NC State. Uh, I think yeah. the Brissett quarterback, who former quarterback from Florida, if you've watched any of them play or even read stats, you know they're pretty efficient in offense. And I think Clemson's going to be far more looking towards Florida State, even though they don't need to. I think NC State is a real dangerous game. If they get past that, Tarvin, I think look out, man. Well, I'm going to tell you, to me, Clemson sent a, sent a message last Saturday in Miami. I mean, usually Clemson would barely get by a team like Miami, but I, I do think Miami quit early in that game. But still, you beat a team like that. I mean, they've never been beaten like that in history. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I think that Clemsoning adjective or whatever it is, a verb or adverb, whatever the hell kind of word that is, I, I really think that Dabo's using that perfect to motivate his team. And, Jonathan, I'm sorry, I don't think 
Florida State can go into Clemson. I'll tell you why. I mean, Georgia Tech got their first conference win against Florida State. They're one and four now, three and five overall. I, I just think with a team that could beat Clemson on the road, they would have got past Georgia Tech Saturday night. I know. That's just my opinion. What do you think? Saturday night was it was I mean that was bad. That 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 was really <laughs> bad. Uh I, I mean we saw poor coaching, poor play, poor poor a lot of things. That offensive line should be ashamed of themselves for five fall start penalty. A couple of them key situations. Uh the interception for Golson was a bad throw. I mean that was just bad all the way around. Very disappointed in that team. Um, and, and that coaching staff's included. I mean, Jimbo called a piss poor game. And, 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 you know, it's not like Jimbo's a bad coach. Don't get me wrong. Good coaches still call bad games from time to time. It happens. I think we still have a shot to beat Clemson, though. And, and let, me, let, me, let me tell you why. At this point, mentally, Clemson's got to look at FSU and go, really? I mean, it's been three years in a row. We, we, we've gone ahead and and, you know, last year we did with a backup. The year before, we stomped them in Death Valley. And the year before that, we, we just downright, I mean, I don't even know what you would have called that beatdown that happened in Dope Campbell in 2012. So this is a young team, no doubt about it. A lot of freshmen playing, a lot of sophomores. Um, that Georgia Tech game's a learning experience, though. A lot of these young kids hadn't felt a loss like that yet. So it's a big learning experience in Tech loss. We can build off this. We can learn. And if Dalvin's fully healthy, he can go ahead and get at it. I mean, it's hard to contain. He's he's already been one of the best running backs in the nation. So I, I think we can still get it done up there. But, you know, beginning of the year, my worst views were we're going to lose to Tech, we're going to lose to Clemson. We already lost to Tech. Well, now I, I'm worried about that Clemson game. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm Trey, I think Jonathan's kind of flipped it a little bit. I started thinking about your quarterback play. You have a running back that's phenomenal. You have some youth. You have talent. That's the main thing. But Golson, I mean, do you think, Trey, that, that they'll just let him air it out a little bit? I feel like they've just been too conservative with him. Just watching him, it's like they're trying to take baby steps with him. Let him throw that sucker. Let him throw it down the field. Let him let him be aggressive. Is that loss going to be enough just to let him say, whatever, let's just go after it? No, no, it's not. Um so if you look at the stat part of it and you look at what they're doing with Golson, yes, it has something to do with Golson and the playbook and his ability to, and he's been very conservative. I, I, I disagree with Jonathan. I think uh, Jimbo has called a pretty good game. There's been terrible execution. The offensive line has averaged five or six uh, fault starts. They're terribly young. They're not <laughs> physical enough. You can't – some of the stuff that the offensive line needs to do it takes an off you know an off season of basically working out to, to resolve and pace. You're not going to be able to do it. The offensive line is going to be a problem all year long. Uh, the receivers, by the way, um, they have a lot of four and five star guys who aren't playing because they're not ready and because they're not making good re- they're not basically running good routes. They're not understanding the offense well. You saw from Travis Rudolph in that game, uh, for instance, right before the block kick, Rudolph didn't get his head around quick enough and hit a pass in the hands, one of, like, three drops he had in the game. So you you air it out, Tarvin. You're airing it out to a bunch of receivers who are running bad routes, who aren't understanding the concepts of the offense, uh, and who are dropping the pass, dropping the football. And so, yes, we're running a more conservative offense. 
it's it, but it's also keeping us in football games uh, that sometimes we haven't played very well in. Well, I don't want to see Clemson in a playoff. I I don't like that, but y'all know that I can't stand the guy. Uh, I cannot see a day where Clemson gets in the playoff right now. And if they lose the game, they're not getting in. We we know that. But but Trey, let's let's move on to Ole Miss a minute. And you know Alabama. This discussion that Ole Miss controls their own destiny. That Alabama is the best team in the SEC. They're probably a playoff team. And first of all, I don't think Ole Miss runs the table. Second of all, I don't think Alabama does either. I mean, even I think they'll beat LSU, but. How bad of a loss to you is the Memphis loss to Ole Miss? And then how bad of a loss is Ole Miss looking for Alabama right now, a night game in Tuscaloosa? Talk about that real yeah. quick. It's, it's crazy when how much you don't hear about losses like Toledo and Memphis uh, from SEC fans very often, even though they're terrible. Uh, they really do show you um, – Really show you how. I mean, every year, Tarvin, every year, you know how frustrated I get when I hear Mississippi and Mississippi State in the top five and ten. Every year, uh, and every year, people get like shocked that they're, they're not good. Uh, so yeah, Mississippi is going to lose. Have you looked at their schedule, Tarvin? Like in Mississippi, you may lose two or three more games. Uh, Auburn so can beat them Saturday. Oh, I, I'm telling you, Mississippi will be barely ranked if ranked at all. That's just what I'm saying, Tarvin. They're, they got a lot of losses left in that schedule. Well, you know, I, I tried to defend Ole Miss a little bit, guys. I, and I think Memphis is all right, but but here's the deal: if you're if the team that went into Alabama and beat them at night lays an egg, not not only hold on a minute, Ole Miss got pistol whipped in Florida back when Florida was just barely got past Tennessee and lucked up and won that one. And then they turn around, and they didn't just lose by fluke play. They got dominated for three quarters of that game, in my opinion. Jonathan, I watched the, I watched Memphis. I went back and started watching film. They, they got an okay little team, but they should never be a playoff team. Would you agree with that? Memphis should not be, even though they're at home, they should never be able to beat a true playoff team. I'll agree with that. Memphis, I mean, it really didn't have any business being in that game. Um, and, and it was, you know, that I, another instance of just poor coaching, bringing in your best defensive player to play fullback. I mean, that was just moronic. Um, you know, and I, I agree. I don't think Ole Miss right now is a playoff contender. I think that's a team that they're going to have another loss or two on their schedule. And, and you know it's going to open that race that race in that uh, the West right back up. I mean this is still a team that can beat LSU and throw monkey wrench and everything, but yeah. I just have a hard time seeing it. Well, the problem I see with Ole Miss Trey, and tell me if I'm wrong, they are talented, but it's like they put too much emphasis on one player. But I look at teams like Auburn, Ole Miss. I just don't see mentally tough teams when I look at those. I mean maybe I'm wrong, but if 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 Tell me, Trey, let me see this. Say Ole Miss runs the table, right? And and Alabama's sitting there with one loss. Alabama does not win the West, but they never lose again. Ole Miss beats a one or two loss part in the SEC championship game. Does a two loss Ole Miss team get in that the SEC champion over a one loss Bama team? Well, I mean, it depends on what else happens around the country. I mean, if there's undefeated teams, no. Um, it's going to be, it would be hard 
for an NCC champion to be left out even at two losses. So, so you're saying a one-loss Bama team would not get in there? Yeah, I, I think you take the champion over over the Bama team. I mean, I know that, but I mean, even even if it's a two-loss, it'd be not. I'm going to tell you, Charvin, it won't happen. I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. I, I you know, I hear people worried about it, but it's just, it, it will work itself out. It really will in the SEC. I know I'm wasting my time even talking about it, and it will. It, it will work itself out. But but let's let's go to a game that I want to talk about. Or first of all, let's let's go back. Coach Kill at Minnesota. He's he's retiring health reasons. That opens up another vacancy. We got a ton of vacancies right now in college football. Jonathan, what kind of coach? How many? Or first of all, question: How many assistant coaches is Alabama about to get ready to lose? So, oh my gosh. Uh, I don't think Kirby's going anywhere, so I, I think the the fan base will oh, be I safe there. Uh, I, I, I really think he's holding out for Saban. I really think he's holding out for Saban's job. Oh, Trey, what do you think about that? I think Kirby Smart's going to South Carolina. I think I think Kirby Smart should leave. Um, you know, there's there's they're staying in a little too long. And at some point, you know, Kirby Smart's going to start getting – it's going to start getting hot for him at Bama to leave. And, and you know, there, there's not – he's not the only – and there's been some coordinators who have secretly been run out of Bama, and we've seen it happen. Uh, and so I, I think you got to you got to get out and get your opportunity when your name is hot. And Bama's names are hot. And so if I'm those coaches, you've got to take advantage of it. And I don't think Alabama, Jonathan, would give – the keys to a, a program like Alabama to a coach that's never been a head coach. I mean, this is perfect time for Kirby Smart to go to South Carolina for two or three years, and then when Nick Saban, if he does good, then he comes back to Alabama. I just don't think a program like that's going to give it to somebody with no experience. The same way Texas, I didn't think they was going to do it to Muschamp, but but tell me about the and I'm and I'm tired of hearing this too. Georgia fans ready to run Mark Rick out. We all know Mark Rick chokes, Trey. He, he's a choke artist. He's never going to win a championship. But but do you think he deserves to not have a job if he loses to Florida this weekend? Because that's going to put him out of the East race, really. That's going to put yeah. Tennessee and Florida ahead of them. What do you think about our, our, our boy coach, Mark Rick, here? And I think Georgia is uh, – you know, at some point, you know, I, I get that Georgia wants to take the next step. I get they don't feel like they've won the SEC enough. Uh, I get that they want it to be a national contender. Uh, I get all that. Um, but at the same point, Tarvin, you know, Mark Rick is an elite recruiter. I mean, you look at the class they have coming and the quarterback in Easton that they have in the pipeline. Uh, you look at the top quarterbacks that he's had there. And, you know, look at the offensive talent that's come through there. I and mean, look at the receivers they've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, that, I mean, I get that that's frustration, you know, frustration because they had one with those guys. I mean, you know, we couldn't win with Gurley. We couldn't win with Aaron Murray and A.J. Green and all these phenomenal players. But at the same point, Rick's bringing them in. Um, and Rick runs arguably one of the cleaner programs in the country, yeah. but one of the biggest institutions in the country. And so, as a guy who hated Rick for leaving Florida State uh, and <laughs> did not root for him for a very long time, I can tell you that um, if I were a fan of Georgia, yes, I would be a little frustrated with the with the results, 
but I don't think you're going to get better. Uh, I think Rick is a great football coach, and, you know, sometimes, you know, the sunshine doesn't shine on you. Yeah, and and that's another thing, Jonathan. Trey's right, and I think it's so hard to win one anyway, no matter how much talent you have. You saw Florida State in 2013. That was probably one of the best Florida State teams of all time. And and they blew people away. They almost lost to an Auburn team. I mean, you have to have some luck. You have to be injury-free. And if you look at Georgia every season, Jonathan, they have some big injury with a big-time player. So with Gurley last year, you said with Chubb this year. This year, I don't think they have a quarterback. I mean, of course they did. They went to a piss-poor team to get their backup to to come in. I mean, can Georgia fans please just settle down a little bit, Jonathan? Wouldn't it be nice just to to breathe? Who who are you going to get if you don't have Mark Rick there? Like Trey said, he he recruits some big-time people. People come to Georgia because of Mark Rick. Well, and and I understand, though, why Georgia fans are frustrated because you just hit a certain point where a coach has become stale and being – you know, oh, well, this is the year we're going to contend, and hearing that every year and then falling on your face every year, I get that. I get that frustration. And, you know, it's kind of what the Eagles did to Andy Reid. But I I honestly think that, you know, if you're going to lose Rick, you better go out there and get a home run higher. I mean, you got to get somebody. I mean, you better be bringing in Chip Kelly. (laughs) You know, I I mean, it's just – it's just mind-blowing – how there is all that talent that runs through Georgia. And he is such a great recruiter. But he has a hard time keeping his talent in the state at the same time. So there's a real there's a real real balance there with Mark Rick that you just got to try and figure out whether or not it's worth going ahead and saying, you know what, we got to restart this program. I mean, sooner or later it's going to have to be done because he can't coach forever. Yeah, and you're looking at the state of Georgia, Trey, Chip Kelly, just say they get Chip Kelly. How well does he know the South? I mean, can't he pull in these blue chippers from in the South, or do you think it's Mark Rick alone that can pull those in? Well, I mean, you know, that's the thing about Georgia that I'm hearing. You know, we're going to get Chip Kelly. He's still employed, man, and there's nothing that says he's not going to be. I mean, like, we. Yeah, you know, so I mean, that's the thing is, is every time I hear a name, it's somebody who really isn't going to be there. Um, you know, so what makes Georgia think that they would draw Chip Kelly? I mean, right now USC is open. I mean, you know, so that if yeah. Georgia even were open, Harvin, and you ranked the positions, I mean, USC, the Trojans would be the number one position. I mean, that, that's just the way it is. The first head no coach on the board it. would go to USC. No doubt. No doubt. That's a that's a code. That's that's what makes me scratch my head too. You bring up Southern Cal. Why can't they, Trey? Why can't they find a coach that fits? I mean, after Pete Carroll, these guys have just been, you know, all over the place, just trying to find an answer. They have five blue chip five stars every year. They play in a conference that's kind of weak. That that they should be able to to win year in and year out. Jim Harbaugh's not there. Chip Kelly's not there anymore. Who's going to be the next USC coach? That's what I'm trying to ask you. And I can't put my head around this one either. I I can't. I I think USC has fallen the last couple of times into they're they're buying into the hottest coordinator and we're going to get the hottest recruiter 
and, and sort of that that mantra, you know, Sarkeesian was, was super hot. He was like the it guy. You know, we know what Lane Kiffin was supposed to be. Um, I think this hire, they have to go more solid. They, they, they probably want to try to pull someone with a name, with a stability, uh, to run more of a clean, hard-hitting program. I, I think they're looking to pull maybe somebody out of the NFL. Uh, I, again, I don't, I don't know if it's – I really don't think it's going to be Chip Kelly, from, you know, whether it's Chuck Pagano or, or some other guy they can pull out of the NFL – I'm just throwing names out of my hat now, but um, well, how about, I think how about Jim Harbaugh? Needs. How about Jim Harbaugh? Well. <laughs> what, what if USC went out and got Jim Harbaugh? Seriously, I'm I'm being serious. I, yeah. I think that would be the. It'd be great if they could pull him, right. but I don't think it's going to happen. I, mean, I think Harbaugh is going to is not going to leave Baltimore. Jonathan, what do you think? I think Jim Harbaugh could be a coach that would pack up and go back out west. I think he'd love San Francisco. You know, his wife well, loves San Francisco. I know he's a Michigan man, but still, to be able to coach in the Coliseum, to have that weather, I mean, my God, the Big Ten's tough to win with all these teams that are starting to grow up. And I, I just think right now the perfect opportunity for him to go back. And I, I think in his contract, there's no buyout clause for him. I think he's like Nick Saban. He can walk away at any time, really. Well, I mean, the the recurring theme with USC has been Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian were on that 2003 USC coaching staff. And they were both assistants under Pete Carroll. So I, I think logically the next head coach at USC is Norm Chow, who was both of their bosses as the offensive coordinator. Um, I mean, but in all honesty, what USC needs to do is stop trying to hire a USC guy. Go out and get somebody who's not attached to university right now. You know, I don't think Harbaugh's going to leave Michigan. I don't think the other Harbaugh's going to leave Baltimore. Actually, they, they both said they ain't going nowhere. Uh, Chuck Pagano, from what I hear, is more interested in the Miami job, which is kind of odd. Um, but, you know, Miami, uh, allegedly, Miami only has like $2.5 million. They're claiming four, but supposedly they only have $2.5 million a year to spend on a coach. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic what, what is, on, on what who they're going to be able to get. Next topic? Why do you go into my next topic already? That's, I shouldn't even let you speak, John. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, you let me there. I mean, if I'm looking at USC, you, they're not going to go hire like a guy like Justin Fuente. They're not going to. Uh, I think we know that. So just like Trey said, they're either going to go for an NFL coach who could be on the way out. And Chip Kelly is obviously a hot name right now, but I think that there's – you know, there's some other guys out there, and unless Miami makes Dan Campbell their permanent head head coach, I don't see why Dan Campbell couldn't go be a coach somewhere. He he, the players love him, uh, the media loves him. I mean, he was a hit on hard knocks when they had the Dolphins. He's played in the NFL. He knows what it takes. So that's somebody I think that could come down now that he's getting some head coaching experience at the NFL level and could go coach a college program. I think that's the name that a lot of people are looking over. But the USC job is just, I don't know where they're going to go. I really don't know which direction they want to go, and I don't know who honestly would want to go there. Well, Trey, what do you think about the coach at the Houston, Texas, Bill O'Brien? I mean, I, I think he may not be at Houston much longer. Could he be a fit at, at Southern Cal? Well, you know, Bill O'Brien is one of those names who, you know, super hot, but look at his track record, and I don't know what you really get. I mean, would he be good at USC? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, and if I'm USC, that's not who I'm going after. 
Uh, the, big, the big reason is is you, you talked about USC and recruiting. I mean, you could be the head coach there, Tarvin, and, you know, well, I'm applying. You know, your, your ego aside, recruits don't know who you are, and it, would, it wouldn't matter. <laughs> five-star recruits, you still get five, four or five of them. You get, you know, ten four-stars um, just because it's the gorgeous campus of USC, and players like to play there. You know, they, they want to go there. So, and the cheerleaders. Happen there. God. Yeah. And the cheerleaders, man. How could you pass that up? If you're Lane Kiffin, I mean, if you're USC, do you do you do you come back and ask forgiveness and ask Lane to come back, Trey? No, you know you don't. Um, uh, but I mean, here's the thing: is, is is you guys mentioned Miami, Tarvin. That that's not the number two job, I don't think, out there. Um, I don't think that's the number two job. Well, I, and here, here's my recommendation for Miami, guys. That's what my next topic was before we go into these games. We, see, if you notice, we don't have a lot of big games this weekend. So, I mean, that's why we're talking about this. But Miami, the dumpster fire it is. And this is one topic. And next topic is going to be we're going to talk about Texas a and and what they're doing with their quarterbacks. But let's say Miami, Trey, which job is better, Miami or South Carolina, in your opinion? Well, I mean, I mean, South Carolina, and the the reason is 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 facilities and money and the way they pay their coaches. Um, and so, you know, I'm not saying it's based on tradition. I'm not saying it's based on, uh, you know, national champions. I'm not saying, you know, any of that. I'm putting it all aside. I'm saying based on um, negativity from certain boosters at Miami, based on what they pay their head coach, based on what they pay their assistant coaches, which in today's age, Tarvin, that's how that's what Nick Saban revolutionized. Nick Saban went out and said, I'm going to get the best coordinators on earth and we're going to pay them. And he put together <laughs> ridiculously talented staff because he's a you know, ridiculously, incredibly hey. smart football coach. Hey, hey Trey, that's what so, Auburn tried to do. It's, it's not working out. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't always work. Um, but um, so that, that's why South Carolina is a better – I think a better option, and plus South Carolina, Tarvin, honestly, you have longer there. You know at South Carolina a head coach is probably going to get four years. Yeah. Miami, I mean, I think they still think that they're Miami with Warren Sapp, Urban, all these thugs that used to play for them. I mean, it's never going to be the same again until Jonathan – they build an on-campus stadium. I mean, you have to travel an hour to get to a game if you're on campus. I mean, it, it, I just don't understand why you look at Miami home games and there's 30 people in the stands, and those are family members that are forced to be there. I mean, what a disaster of a program. I mean, when, when do you get to the point where you shut it down, honestly? And that, that was, you know, I don't think it will ever sh- – the other shut it down because of the national championships tied to it. But, I mean, that's a great point. And and if you look at Miami alumni, if you take away the football players, a lot of their alumni is a bunch of international students who don't care about the football program, so they don't donate to the football program. You know, and and it's just Miami's in such a precarious situation. Supposedly they didn't have the money, and I agree. I think South Carolina is a better job. I think South Carolina's a much better job right now uh, than Miami because you are a you're going to have the time, but B, I mean, 
where you know right now a k y z b where would you rather be would you would you rather be in Columbia or Miami Miami just seems to be a hot mess right now where I got to drive to go to work at the stadium. It's not even my stadium, so I can't even go there during the week. Where, you know, in South Carolina, it's so much better. Miami right now might not even be a better job than Minnesota. And that's that's the sad reality, is that they're, they're going to compete for the same coach. Because it's, it's going to be USC, South Carolina, and then, you know, who's going to get who's going to get it next, Miami or Minnesota? Yeah. And that's just well, the dilemma they're in. They've fallen so far off the map. Jonathan, stay right there. We're going to take a call from the 404 area code. You're on way in sports. Who's this? This is Naj. How you guys doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Naj? Uh, doing well, man. I haven't talked to you guys in a few years. You may have forgotten my name, but I ain't going to take it personal. Uh, Miami. Hey, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember anybody's name, man, so please don't. It's <laughs> all <laughs> so good, man. But Miami, South Carolina, man, I, I hear you guys, like, what you're saying, but, man, I, I have a totally different view on this. I'm looking at South Carolina as that job to where there's really – it's just an uphill climb of no winning. Uh, the great Steve Spurrier, man, as far along as he was while he was there, man, I think he took it kind of to his limit. Uh, the classes that you get as far as recruiting, you're only going to get your Jadavion Clownies and, and – uh, I can't remember the running back's name a few years ago. You're only going to get those guys every once in a while. Yeah, Lattimore. You're only going to get those type of talents every once in a while. And then you have to fend off from every, you know, SEC regional power in your area trying to snatch talent out. Georgia took, I think, Todd Gurley out of there. I think it was. But you're always dealing with that. And then you got the SEC schedule and the other teams who you're competing with. So that makes the job even tougher. Now, Miami is interesting because I think that's a school that doesn't want to be tied to their former image and their former image uh, of winning championships. problem is they don't particularly like the people that won the championships in that area of Miami, so they're not recruiting there as well as they used to. But, hell, look, Golden got fired, but look at the last two years. They've been still producing NFL-quality picks. So if you get a talented guy in there, they can win. I just don't think you can keep them. You'll get somebody there. They'll build up their profile, and before you know it, they'll be off to the NFL or somewhere like that because it, everything you guys said about the facilities, the stadium, and all of that, it's, you know, it's just not up to par. But I'd, I'd have to yeah, take that Miami sense. job before I took South CAC, man. And, and like, you know, you talk about, like, like Furrier. If he can't win really there and, and make an impact to win an SEC, who's to say that anybody else can? But at Miami, you know, you, you know you have the talent. That's a good point you brought up. In South Carolina, there's not there's not many good ones anymore. They're not they're not being produced, you know, like with Lattimore and and all those guys, Clowney. But, but I mean, they were loaded for a while. But but I still say, and I'll ask you, when is Miami going to decide to build a stadium on campus? I mean, because it, it, it that's the difference. I mean, I, I don't think the recruits like to come in and, and know that that their stadium's not on campus. Yeah, and that's the part I was talking about, about them not embracing not only football culture, but they want to be looked at, at I think it's uh, medicine and, and health management. I think those are the two things they want to be looked at as, and they don't want to be seen as a uh, football factory. Yeah. So it's like just this huge fight, man, all the time of, of getting things done. But you're right, that's that's weird that that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, I mean, this, know, is, this is one of the powerhouses of football. I mean, this is – 
some of the best teams of all time could possibly, you could say, Miami. I mean, you, you can't say that about South Carolina. Can you? Nah, not at all, man. They, they got that little, you know, that talent belt down there in Florida, and they pulled so many back in the day, man. It's, it's crazy the talent Florida has produced over the last 20 years when you think about it, or 30. And know. all the teams. Yeah, because look at Florida State, Florida, Miami, and you're seeing other teams even that's been good in Florida. Not not one of the big three, but but you'd think. So so what is it going to take for Miami to turn it around? What who's the coach do you think they could come in and turn it around at Miami? Whew, man, that's a tough one, man. Now I'm in Atlanta, so hopefully nobody in Georgia is listening to the show. But uh, take Mark Rick down there, man. People in Georgia have been getting on his nerves, you know, questioning everything he does now. I think if Mark went down there, he could rebuild that thing in four years, two two to four years. I think he'll be competing. Well, you, well, you know he's going to run a clean program. And, and like Trey said, Trey's our co-host, he's a Florida State fan. He's, he was mad at Mark Rick for a long time. He knows Florida. I mean, he's... He's in the SEC as well, so he recruits there all the time. That's a but. But with Mark Rick, he's a loyal guy. It seems like to me, he would have to be forced out of Georgia to leave. I mean, could you see him jumping ship at Georgia? No, I don't think so, man. I think the boosters here love him, and uh, you know, a lot of the audience is mad at him. But you know, he has a huge contingent that's still behind him. And once you start talking about Mark Rick in Georgia, eventually the conversation ends with, hey, you know, Mark's a good man. And then before you know it, you're not talking about firing them anymore. So that, that's mm-hmm. just what it is. Man. Well, Naj, I'm in Atlanta as well, man. Uh, please don't be a stranger to this show. Don't wait a couple of years. Try to call in more. We enjoyed your call. Oh, thanks a lot, man. Will do. Have a good one. Yeah, man. Right. Great, great talk, You man. too. Great job. That's nice. So, man, make sure to write this number down every Wednesday and Sunday. We'd love to hear from you. Um, let's move on real quick to Texas A&M. What's going on there, guys? All of a sudden, we had an undefeated team in the top ten. Bama comes to town, just destroys them. And now, all of a sudden, they're they're, they're falling apart. They go to Ole Miss last weekend. Don't even score a touchdown. I think they scored a field yeah. goal, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Trey, why why is someone? First of all, what I'm hearing. You tell me what you heard. He, he made promises to these recruits that they would play. And how can you do that as a coach? How can you guarantee someone playing time when they've never proven anything on the field? Yeah, from what I understand and the way what I'm hearing, Carvin, is is that the Murray family apparently is uh, very big and was very big involved in recruiting. Was very big in Texas, and when it came down to Texas versus Texas A and M, it it sounds like the the word from A and M is that. Basically, someone made some promises about how much Murray was going to play, uh, and that was apparently going to be a decent amount. And so when that has not happened, that has started to lead to, to some issues in the locker room and issues with the Murray family, and, you know, that led to that big tirade that Murray, you know, and, and the offensive coordinator got into it on the sidelines and apologies and so a lot of drama is going on at A&M, Tarvin, but, you know, this all sounds extremely similar, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like the Kenny Trill of last year when we had yep. Texas A&M, you know, barn-burning best team in America, <laughs> Kenny Trill for Heisman, and then Kenny Trill to transfer A&M is not ranked. Doesn't yeah. it sound a lot like that again, you know? I mean, here we are again a year later, 
and we have another freshman quarterback behind the guy who all of a sudden struggles a little bit, and now it's almost like an Eagle song. Someone's going to transfer and someone's going to start. So I mean, if A&M can't develop a quarterback past a year or two, Tarvin, they're never going to be any much better than they are yeah. right now. And, and remember, remember that Johnny Manziel was a part of Sherman's recruiting class. So someone got him lightning in a bottle. And But, but you know, now we're seeing Kevin Sumlin's recruits. And, Jonathan, we see a lot of five stars. We see them in the discussion. But is – is Kevin Sumlin a true leader? And obviously, this is a new day and age. I know kids are different, Twitter, uh, all these promises. I think it's stupid to bring in that many five-star quarterbacks because all of a sudden you're going to have a mess on your hand. People are going to get their feelings hurt, and all of a sudden you're losing every quarterback you have. They're transferring. Do you think it's smart to recruit that many blue-chip five-star quarterbacks? Uh, I honestly don't think it is. Um, you you got to try and figure out a happy medium at the end of the day. Um, and, and Trey's right. This does sound awfully familiar. You know, Kenny Trill now uh, at a, uh, at TCU. So I, I think at the end of the day, someone sooner or later is going to lose his job over this kind of stupidity. Because it, it, it's just – it's one year – after another where we just get another story like this and you start wondering, I mean, when does it come time for everybody to go, he has no control over this program? I mean, sooner or later, you got, you know, somebody's got to come to that realization, right? Yeah. And I have, you have, Trey has. But I think what they need to do is kind of like if we're starting over with quarterbacks, Trey, they go out and get him a Juco or they keep, just say they keep Allen. I think he's the better quarterback anyway. Then you, you recruit some three, four stars you develop. You need a project. You need somebody in there that you can develop in a couple of years when, when Murray leaves all of a sudden or Kyle Allen leaves, you have his replacement. I just think you get these, these egos in, man. These guys want to play now. They don't want to back up. They don't want to split time. And, and you have to be kind of like a Nick Saban, Trey, I think, in order to manage that. I mean, it takes a special kind of coach. Kevin Sumlin doesn't seem like the kind of coach that can – they can manage these divas in the right way. He's in yeah. trouble, man. I really think well, he's in trouble. Here, here's what he's got to do, and I, I mean, this is. I think I think you got to stick with Kyle Allen. I think you. I mean, he's he was five yeah. star, you know, Uber recruit, right? Just like Kenny Trill was, just like you know Tyler Murray was. There is, uh, and you tell Murray, look, uh, you know, you're going to sit behind him. Uh, and we're going to develop Kyle. And if he if he detanks, then you got to be ready. You got to work on a practice field. You got to earn it. Uh, you got to earn your spot. If, you, if you're not willing to earn it, then see it. And then go after a four star who's willing to sit behind them, but who's really talented. You know, I mean, you know, it's, there's nothing against recruiting five stars, Tarvin, but you can't tell them that they're going to have an automatic spot and they're going to play all the time just because mm-hmm. they were good in high school. That's your mistake, Tarvin. I mean, I recruit all the five stars you want. I mean, Bama did it. If you recall, um, you know, when they had Derrick Henry, Alti Tenpenny, and um, Alvin Kamara. And I know Tenpenny just passed away, and that's very sad. Um, you know, prayers for his family. But, you know, Kamara now is at Tennessee. Tenpenny had to leave, and, you know, Henry's now the guy. So you lost two of those three, but they still brought all three in that class, uh, and that's what you got to do. Uh, Florida State did it with the quarterback when they brought in DeAndre Johnson and Franco- uh, DeAndre Francois, or however you say that guy's name, uh, both four-star quarterbacks. Well, DeAndre Johnson punched a girl, is now off the team. 
we'll invest. These things work itself out. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the key. You can't promise anything. And if I'm a player and I choose you because you told me I was going to play, I would be mad too if I got there and lied to you. But I think that's how that's a signal, the red flag to me that Kevin Sumlin has no idea. I mean, he can get all the the five stars in the world, but if you can't manage them, if you can't lead them, I mean, I kind of look at Auburn in a way. And I mean, I don't. I think Malzahn does have control, but but I think you can get in a situation just because you have a lot of talent doesn't mean you produce results on the field. Kevin Sumlin's in trouble because Charlie Strong, with a win against Oklahoma like he had, I just think something happened with the view of how you look at Texas right now and Charlie Strong and Kevin Sumlin to me is the coach that can't get it done, guys. He can't he can't develop talent. And and we've seen it right here. I mean it, who has he developed, Trey, on this team that you see that's become a lot better? And I'm talking about on the offensive side of the ball, of course. Yeah. I don't see anybody. Well, I mean look at look at the five star receivers they had last year. Where's what's Speedy Noel doing? Five star ridiculous anybody heard of him, you know, since then. I mean so a bunch of five star, you know, five star receivers again. You know, where are they going to get developed? How are they going to end up with their, their their names called on the first day of the draft? That is when we'll know something, Tarvin, because you know it, it's not only about getting in the five stars in. I mean, that is kind of what led to Florida State's demise. A lot of five star misses uh, at the end of the Bobby Bowden era. They got a guys who who weren't good mm-hmm. characters, who weren't developed. And guess what? Your program tanks when you spend so much time and effort on a five star or multiple five stars, and they don't, and you don't develop them. They don't work out. So someone's got to start developing these guys and producing, you know, talent that stays around to their junior year. And that's when you really get really good teams. Yeah, that's the key. I mean, you you have to develop. And let's let's go through real quick um, this weekend's slate. We got about thirteen minutes. We're going to move fast. Let's start with the the cocktail party, guys. I mean, how important, Jonathan, is this game, not only to the SEC, not only to the – if Florida wants any chance to to make a playoff push, but what does this mean for recruiting and what does this mean for Georgia? Tell me about this game a little bit, preview of Gators, favored three. Well, this is a huge game for recruiting purposes for both schools. They they obviously recruit against each other. Um yeah, this is a big game, though, from the standpoint that if Georgia wins this game, they can retain some of their recruits. Because uh, right now, this time of the year, what you start seeing is teams start poaching guys from from each other. Uh, looking at it, Florida's defense uh, obviously is very talented. It's very it's young, but it looks like some of their better players will graduate this year. So you, what they're trying to do at this point is make sure they can bring – keep bringing in the young guys while trying to progress this offense along and prove to some of the better receivers in the nation that they need to come to Florida. Because one of Florida's biggest issues is their wideouts have been dropping the ball this year. So they, this, this is a big game, I think, recruiting battle-wise for receivers for Florida. For Georgia, it's just trying to keep anything, anything around. And, and you know, if they're out of this race, the heat, the, the public heat on Rick intensifies. And the recruiting, the recruiting battle looks going to become that much tighter. Everybody he thinks he has locked up now all of a sudden starts looking around. Yeah, Trey, uh, I think the difference in this game could be the Florida defense. When you start looking at these two teams, I think the quarterback play is not very good either way. Um, they, they're kind of mirror images of each other, but I think 
Florida's defense is just a little more physical. What do you think? Well, I, I agree with you, Tarvin. Um, I didn't hear a lot of picks, guys. Well, where's your picks? I have a lot of talk. Where's your picks? I haven't picked. Jonathan, who do you like? Either. Yeah, Jonathan. Uh, you know what? I, I, I can't stand the St. Paul and Gainesville, so go Georgia. <laughs> All right, Tr- All right, Trey, who do you like? Look, I mean, Georgia's a different team. You know, Grayson, everybody, you know, everybody talked about how great he was at that one game, Tarvin. You know, you know, I've been talking about how inconsistent he was. Now, you know, now we went a different quarterback. Georgia's kind of all over the place offensively, especially without Nick Chubb. Um, with that, even with Florida's defense, I, I think Florida is – this is going to be a low-scoring game, Tarvin. I think Georgia's going to find a way. Maybe it, maybe it's anti-Florida bias too, Tarvin, but I'm going Georgia. Yeah, I just think Alabama took a lot out of this team, and they exposed them, and now all of a sudden Tennessee came and and just took them out. When Chubb left, I think the heartbeat of this team went away. I don't think they believe, after, and especially after what Florida did to them last year. Florida came out of nowhere and just ran them for 400 yards on them. I think they they still think about that, and even though they want to get even, I don't think they I don't think they believe that they can. I I, I don't know. I mean, this is a tough one because it's a rival game. But I'm going to pick Florida because of until Georgia shows me they can win a game without Chubb. Uh, I can't go against. I mean, I saw them play Missouri guy a couple weeks ago, and I know Georgia had a bye, but they beat them by what what was it? Jonathan six to three or something like that. I can't remember. It was. It was yeah, 9-6, like, and why yeah. did you watch it? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, bad football. I'm, I seem attracted to it this year, Auburn, and, and now I'm trying to see Georgia. But, Trey, I mean, seeing that 9-6 to six game against Missouri, and, and we all saw how bad Missouri is. I mean, how could you not pick Florida in this game? Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, the SEC East, uh, eight, really, if you look at the breakdown, they're about the eighth best division in football. Play has been all over the place. Missouri is terrible uh, without Matty Mock. I mean, they'll be different this week with him. I, I don't know. Uh, but all right. uh, I'm still picking them, man. Come on, go, go Georgia. All right. All right. Well, let's do Auburn Ole Miss, Trey. Ole Miss comes in a seven-and-a-half point favorite. Carl Lawson returned to the practice field. And he's going to play this weekend. I really do think he is. But after the four overtime loss to Arkansas, coming back home after two weeks being gone, I mean, what do you think of Auburn's chances of ending Ole Miss's run here? Any kind of chance? Carbon, uh, where's the game at again? It's in Auburn. Night game, right? Nope, noon game. Oh, it's a noon game. For some reason, I thought it was a name here. Uh, you know, Tarvin, I, I like I like Auburn's chances in this game. To be quite honest with you, uh, and, and in fact, I'm actually going for an Auburn upset. I'm pulling the upset on this one. Uh, I, I, Ole Miss is a paper dragon in my book. I think that yes, they're a good football team on defense. I think offensively they have a lot of problems. I think Auburn is going to find some backbone in this game. Man, I hope he's right, Jonathan. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, like I'm going to pick Auburn after what happened this week. Are you kidding me? Really? Come on. Ole Miss what do you mean what covers the spread. What do, what do you mean what happened this week? After that Arkansas debacle, 
well, last week, I guess, technically. After that game, oh. yeah, and, and I just looked at my future bets and saw, you know, oh, Auburn to win the SEC and Auburn to make the playoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ole Miss wins. And you, you could be right. Larry Tunsil's back in this lineup, which is huge for them running the ball. And Kandichi's back from his concussion. This is going to be tough for Auburn to win. But if, if I think if Carl Lawson can play, um, I really like their chances to compete. But let's let's talk real quick about Sean White, Trey. I don't know what you think of him as a quarterback. I still don't think Gus Malzahn's happy without a dual-threat quarterback. I still think that's what he wants. My question to you is, will Sean White be the quarterback for Auburn next year, or will they go Juco? Uh, they, they, well, they got brought, they brought in a Juco named Franklin, who was a former Florida State quarterback. They offered him this past week. Uh, he's going to be at this game, I believe, John Franklin the third. Yeah. I think they want him for that reason, Tarvin, to bring him in for next year. He, he he ran an offense very similar to Auburn's. He was the scout team guy who ran against Auburn, actually, in the national championship game. He was a scout team quarterback. I think they had their eye on him for next year. Um so I don't think I don't think he's one of the quarterbacks in the roster right now. Uh, I would say Jeremy Johnson actually has a better shot than White for next year. And Johnson, people are calling me crazy because I'm not on this Sean White kid's bandwagon. Yeah, he's done okay, but hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. I mean, he just and I know that sounds stupid, but he hasn't really done anything to really catch my eye. He's accurate, but I just don't see that offense being unstoppable like it was against Missouri a couple of years ago in that SEC championship with him at the quarterback. I mean, he can't run the football. No, he, he's really not that mobile. And I, I like Sean White. Um, I like what I saw. Um, he, he he looks good. But he's not a Gus Malzahn quarterback, which leads open to the question, why did Malzahn recruit him? Um, <laughs> but, I, I, you know, I, I, I think he's a decent quarterback. I think he needs to go ahead and transfer out. Uh, he doesn't have a shot there. I think he has a chance to be pretty good somewhere else that, you know, will actually not try to make him run a triple option. I know. I mean, I'm, people think I'm crazy because I'm not just all over this kid, but I, I really think I'd like to see Jeremy Johnson have a shot to come back in and see if he could win his job back and just to see what he's like with – with, uh, Plus his name, I already forgot his name, the big receiver, Duke Williams being gone now, how he responds. But Trey's right, you're right. But people, uh, Trey, seriously, I'm getting beat up because of this because I'm not on the Sean White bandwagon. But if you want to win, if you want to go five and seven every year, grab Sean White, he's your guy. But if you're going to be able to beat Alabama, if you're going to be able to beat teams like that, you're going to have to have an elite quarterback and, Man, I, I miss Nick Marshall, Trey. I'm missing bad. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly that happens. Everybody uh, was unhappy with Nick Marshall. Jeremy Johnson was going to be ten times better while I wasn't playing. Thank yeah, you. a year later, man, things things change, huh? Yeah, I talked to Bertram Bradley about that last year. He was messaged me saying, Gus Malzahn's an idiot. He won't put in Jeremy Johnson. He's truly the better quarterback. Well, okay. Now look at it and see if he's He's really the better quarterback. Trust, let's trust Gus Malzahn to know what he's doing. And if he's going to the JUCO route right now, guys, I mean, it has to be an indication, Trey. If he's offered a JUCO quarterback like this, this kind of – he didn't come to sit him on the bench, did he? I mean, he came to play him immediately as quarterback. Kind of like Cam Newton. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think he came to give him a shot for sure. 
Well, guys, there's not a lot of games to talk about. I mean, we got two minutes left in the show. Real quick, any upsets you see, Trey, throughout the horizon this weekend? Can Minnesota pull an upset over Michigan? What do you see this weekend? Uh, you know, I think this week is going to be a lot of chalk uh, is what we're going to see. I think a lot of, a lot of the favorites are going to win. Have to move, move us forward a single week uh, towards the bigger showdowns the next week. I, I just don't see a lot of movement this week. I really don't. Jonathan, these weeks can be tricky sometimes. They really can be. Um, you know, obviously, you know, keep keep your eye on Notre Dame and Temple. Uh, I I still believe that's going to be a really fun game to watch. I don't know how much of a shot Temple has, but you know, I'll be pulling for them. And I mean, you know, it is. It, can Minnesota rally and upset Michigan? Uh, can Texas Tech finally hand Oklahoma State a loss? You know, it, it, it's it's a it looks like a slow week, but these weeks usually tend to kind of sneak up on you. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. If something strange can happen in weeks like this, TCU plays a West Virginia team that that gives people problems sometimes. I'm I'm interested to see how TCU plays. I'm just interested to see the cocktail party. Uh, nothing else, big LSU-Alabama matchup next week. But it's been a boring couple of weeks of college football, except for the kick six. At the, and I know Jonathan didn't like that trade, but about the only exciting thing that happened last weekend. But we'll be back Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. We could move it to 8, but just we'll do our regular 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Guys, thanks for joining us. Have a great week, and it looks like we'll have a lot to discuss coming up Sunday. Good night. All right, y'all.